Praise the name of Jesus. Sometimes we just need to be reminded that he is a good God. And no matter what's going on around us, he still remains the same. Amen. He does not change. Glory to his name. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John, chapter 7. And our children are dismissed to Kids Dome now. The Gospel of John, chapter 7. We're going to read from verse, beginning in verse 1. When you got to say so. And the word of the Lord says, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Father, we thank you so much for your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your great grace. Lord, this morning, we do thank you for your presence that is here, Lord God, that has moved among us. And we just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts today. We pray that you would be glorified in these next few moments. As we share in your word, God, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and the faith to live out the truths that are in your word, God. Help us to respond, Lord God, not to just be idle hearers, but doers of your word, God. May you be glorified. We pray all of these things in Jesus' good name. Someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand. Just keep your hand up for a moment so the ushers can see you. If you don't have an outline, as always, we want to utilize the outlines for two great reasons. The first one is obvious, I think, and that is so that way you can follow along in the sermon and you can take notes. Um, you can follow along in the introduction. And then the second part is something that we do. It's called Connect Life Groups. And right now, we are not connecting on a weekly basis, but typically we do get together on a weekly basis. And what we do is we discuss the sermon. We talk about what we learned, how God challenged our faith. And so we encourage one another and pray with one another. My challenge for you has been in the idea of you being a disciple maker is that you would take these outlines and that you would share with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You can utilize them during family devotional time. You can utilize them to have conversations with coworkers, neighbors, family members who may not know Jesus, you know, who need to have some questions answered because in reality, the whole purpose of the gospel of John is to create faith. So it'd be a good opportunity for you to utilize them and that way you can have the conversation. So don't waste them. Uh, make sure that you take some notes, write some stuff down. And um, as always, I do encourage you to share with someone what you're learning. Amen? All right, so we are today in the Gospel of John. We are continuing in, our, in the Real Jesus series. And today's message is entitled Time Signature. Time signature. And so for those of you that are familiar with music, you'll understand what a time signature is. But if you look at your outline, I gave you a basic definition here. A time signature, by definition, it measures the meter or the rhythm pattern of a song. And so basically, it lets everyone know the timing to ensure everyone is together. Are you here, right? And so, you know, some songs are like a 4-4, four, four, so it's just real easy. One, two, three, four. Other songs are like, you know, 6-8. It's one, two, three, four, five, six. And if I'm doing one, two, three, four four, five, six, and you're doing one, two, three, it might be a mess, right? So it'll be thrown off. So like if one side of the room, I don't know if you've ever been in the church. I haven't heard this at Faith Dome yet, glory to God, so y'all must have rhythm. But I know y'all might have been in a church one time where it's like, you know, someone's clapping here and then someone's clapping there. Like, hold up, wait a second, what happened, right? And so anyway, glory to God, y'all just stay in timing, amen? Um, and, and, if you, and, and if you're off timing, it's okay because you still love Jesus and we love you, right? And so I've never seen everyone thrown out because they couldn't clap on beat, but I'm just saying, right? Um, so ultimately, the point is a time signature is there. So looking at your outline here, when someone is off the timing, the music sounds messy, it is hard to follow, and it is distracting to those playing, listening, and or singing. Did you hear me? 
when someone is off the timing, right, if someone is playing a different timing or someone is not on the timing, then it throws the music off. And so it sounds messy. It sounds like there's some issues going on. And, you know, you as a listener, you know, a lot of times being part of the music ministry, I've often said, you know, because I've been sitting there before I became a musician, um, and I would, you know, sit there, and I just like music, and I would listen to music, and I could tell, like, when, you know, the music ministry would mess up. And, you know, I would encourage people, you know, don't get upset. Half the people in the church didn't even notice, right? Because most of the time, you don't even notice because you're worshiping Jesus, and you're so holy. Amen, right? You didn't notice that the music got messed up, right? And so, but musicians, right, we're sitting here playing, and, like, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I have to, I have, I have learned the, um, I'm not going to tell you my, my secret, because then you're going to know what happens every time it happens. But anyway, I've learned to control my face, right, my facial expressions, because typically when someone messes up, you want to be like, what on earth? Like, what was that, you know? And, and so because you get, you get distracted, right? But it's because you're in, you know, you're playing the music. But here's what I want you to know as a Christian, because I don't want to just talk about music, because some of you are like, man, I'm never going to play music in my life. I want you to know something. God has a time signature for our lives, and that time signature is this, be ye holy as I am holy. Are you hearing me? That is God's time signature for all of our lives. It is that we are holy as he is holy. And here's what I want you to hear. When you look at this, when someone is off timing, when a Christian is not walking in holiness, their life is messy. Are you hearing me? I'm not talking about how we struggle with sin in, in different areas of our life. We struggle with situations in our life. But I'm talking about someone who is not endeavoring, who is calling themselves a Christian, and yet they're not striving for holiness. There is a problem. See, there's a mess. And then what happens is it's hard to follow you. Hello. It's hard because you're, you're saying one thing. You're saying that I'm a believer, but your life isn't looking like what you are saying. Are, are you getting this? And so we have, see, right now we're, we're, we're in a cultural battle that's going on, right, between those who would call themselves believers. I mean, if anybody has Facebook, you know, hello. I'm just saying, right? I mean, you see the battles that are going on. You know, Christians shouldn't say anything on social media. You know, Christians should speak up. And there's all kinds of opinions that are out there. But ultimately, here's the thing, man. I'm going to say this. You know, I hope that Facebook is not your only medium of, of evangelism. Are you here? I really pray that that's not the only place that you get real bold for Jesus. Because what I've found is that you have a lot of people that hide behind the keyboard. Are you hearing me? You have a whole lot of people that they're, so, they're, they're like bold and rah, rah, and they seem like they're just like an animal behind a keyboard, but they'll never say a word to you about Jesus. They're, they're, they'll never have a conversation with you on a one-on-one. -on -one. And so for us Christians, come on, the one thing I want to say is we need to make sure that, you know, that, that that's not the only avenue of evangelism that we use. But here's the other thing. It's, it's sad because I've seen this on so, many, on so many cases where you have Christians who will post one thing that sounds so holy and so like Jesus-filled, and then the next moment, like, what on earth? We have this bipolar Christianity, right? Like, like, and listen, and, and, and I get it, okay? Let, 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 me, let me say this, hands down. I understand the struggle, right? I understand the struggle is real. I understand that we go through our ups and downs, and we have our, you know, high mountain moments, right? And, and let me tell you something. I'm, I'm just going to let you know this. Most of us don't realize this, but we, I think, and this is just my thought, I think that Christians are typically going to live within the valleys of life, not the mountain peaks. Are you here? So that's why it's such a beautiful thing. I heard somebody praying this morning. I don't know who it was, but we were in prayer this morning, and they were quoting, you know, Psalm 23. As they were, as they were quoting it, they were crying. And, you know, and, and I love it. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, you see, and so the play, like, like we walk in certain valleys in our lives, but that doesn't mean that you got to act crazy. Right? Because then you're hard to follow. Right? You throw people off because they're like, well, is that a Christian or is that a Christian? You know, how many people we have conversations with, well, I believe in Jesus and Jesus this and Jesus that. But hold on a second, but you agree with things that Jesus would not agree with. You align yourself with stuff that Jesus would not align himself with, right? And so it's important for us as Christians to realize the time signature because here's the other thing is that it's not only hard to follow you, but it's also distracting, to those who are playing with you, to those who are singing with you, to those who are listening to you. Are you hearing me? You see, it's important that you realize this. And so God's time signature for us as Christian people is be ye holy as I am holy, right? Second paragraph here, it has been said, and I remember years ago, we were in a prayer meeting, and a woman who was visiting, she was just um, visiting our church for a little while, and she came 
And in this prayer meeting, I never forget this because it impacted me so much. And she's, you know, she was saying, she was praying to the Lord and she was talking about God, lead the dance. And as she was praying to the Lord for him to lead the dance and the prayer time, you know, I, it, it, it just hit me in my spirit because I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not like this great dancer or anything like that or whatever. You know, I, I told y'all I didn't even dance at my wedding. My wife is going to lay hands on me for the rest of my life, every wedding we go to. And my daughter is going to remind me, you know, you didn't dance with me. You didn't dance with me. But, you know, it's all good. I'm going to dance with my wife plenty. But anyway, we'll talk about it another time. But ultimately, I'm not like this great dancer. But what I do realize is that I saw the picture. The picture was that God is leading the dance, right? That we are in this relational thing. You ever watch two people dance? I mean, especially like if they do something like the tango, hello. I'm just saying. I mean, that, that's like intense, intimate, right? Like really crazy, you know, passionate. Someone's got to be leading that thing, hello. But both people can't lead that dance. I'm just saying, right? Both of you can't lead the dance. Someone has to lead the dance. And the reason why this is important is because it's been said that our walk with the Lord can be likened to a dance. And so in any dance, there has to be a leader and a follower. Now notice this. The leader must know the music. He must know the timing. He must know the rhythm. And he must know the dance that they're doing. Like if you're, you know, dancing, you know, and I, because I'm not this great dancer, you know, they have like, you know, salsa, merengue, and all these. And I'm like... It all looks kind of the same to me, but, you know, there's some differences. I'm Hispanic, okay? I'm just not, like, you know, all into that, right? Like, I, I was never, my uncle was the only one who used to play Spanish music in our home. My grandmother and them used to dance. And they were, you know, anyway, I'm not going to incriminate them. But anyway, ultimately, I didn't know the difference. The point is that there are differences, right? So if I come up in here and I'm like Mr. Salsa and it's a merengue song, we're going to have problems. Right, like there's there's gonna be issues there, right? I can't just throw that together, right? I gotta get with the, and so I gotta know who the, you know, what the what what the timing is. I gotta know what dance we're doing. But here's the thing: the follower must know the timing, must know the rhythm, but they must trust the leader. So when you get together, you know, my I can say this: my grandfather, he 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 he, him, my grandmother, they used to dance once and once in a while together. In the house, you know, they'd be playing the music and, you know, having it. They were always, it was always a party in my house when I was growing up. It's just us, but we were partying. We were a lot of us, so it's all right. It was, you know, <laughs> but I used to watch them dance, but I didn't realize until later on my grandfather didn't like dancing with my, with my grandmother because she wouldn't let him lead. In other words, she would just get excited, you know, and she would want to throw down. He'd be like, yo, slow down. Let me lead this, right? So that's how, that's how it was. But ultimately, you know, that's two human beings. But when we're talking about this dance with the Lord, right, and we're talking about being in step with him and be ye holy as I am holy, like that is the mindset. And so we have to get in step with who Jesus or wh what Jesus is doing. So in our walk with the Lord, last paragraph here, our desire must be to relationally follow our leader Jesus as he leads the dance of our lives, which are meant to bring glory to his name as we fulfill his purposes in the earth, namely that we clearly bear his image and share his message. The dance is about one thing. It's about you and I clearly bearing the image of Jesus, but not only bearing his image, and when I say bearing his image, I mean reflecting him in the way that we live, looking like him. You know, when you look at our, the dance ministry, when they get up here and they do a dance, they all are wearing like the same type of outfits typically, right? Because they, there's a certain image that is coming forward. You know they're a team for the music ministry, for those of you that don't notice this, um, but the first Sunday of every month is free Sunday. In other words, we wear whatever we want. But typically the rest of the weeks for the music ministry we all have a certain dress code that we go by. And for some of us, you know, that bothers us because we want to look cute, right? Wear what we want to wear, you know, so now we got to look cute within the confines of certain colors. Hello, right? So, you know, it makes it a little bit more difficult. It's easier to just be, you know, whatever. But ultimately, the point is we do that before what? For uniformity. So we look like a team, so we look together. And so it's the same thing for us as Christians. We're supposed to bear the image of God because what? We are, in, we are image bearers. And when we come to Jesus, we're supposed to reflect him. But here's the thing. We're not just supposed to reflect Jesus. We are also supposed to share his message. You see, this, this, this is the problem with us as Christians, that many times we think it's enough just to reflect him. And I thought about it this way. I said, you know what would happen? I said, what would happen if there was a lifeguard who was sitting in a lifeguard post somewhere, and someone was drowning. And they were doing a great job of reflecting a lifeguard. They would be doing nothing to save their life. Hey, I'm a lifeguard. I could save your life. I have the ability to do that. 
Look at me. I am a lifeguard. Check me out. Hello. Look at me. Look, just look at me. You'll be saved. No. No one is going to be saved by a lifeguard because he's wearing an outfit. Are you here? No one is going to be saved by a lifeguard because they are looking the part, because they're strutting their stuff, because they're making everybody on the beach know because I'm blowing my whistle or something, because I'm making some kind of noise. No, there has to be an all-on effort to save someone who is drowning. And can I tell you how you do that, church? You do that by sharing the truth of the gospel. The way that we bring salvation is by bringing this message forward. And so, look, it's important for us to realize that this dance is all about bearing his image and about sharing his message. And so, if there's the big idea in this message, it is this. You can write this down. It is that God's grace keeps us. You can write that down if you're taking notes. God's grace keeps us in God's timing To ensure God's purposes are accomplished. God's grace keeps us in God's timing to ensure God's purposes are accomplished. I'll say it one more time. God's grace keeps us in God's timing to ensure God's purposes are accomplished. See, here's what I want you to know, is that it is impossible for you and I to stay in step with the Spirit of God, to stay in step with what God is doing apart from the grace of God. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. I can't make this happen just because I want to, just because I know it's the right thing. I need the grace of God. But what we need to realize is that God's grace keeps us in timing with the Lord because as we are in timing with the Lord, then what happens is we are able to accomplish God's purposes. Now, you're probably wondering, well, how did, what does this have to do with the scriptures that we're looking at? Well, the first thing I want you to, want you to see is we'll keep reading here really quickly. Look down with me in verse 6. I want you to see this so you can understand where we get time signature from. Jesus says this, then Jesus said, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. And what I want you to realize is that when he said your time is always ready, that was like an insult to them because what he was saying is, y'all don't believe in who I am, you don't know who I am, and so you can go anytime you want, but my time is not yet. Jesus shows that he was concerned about the timing of the Lord. And so before we get into verse 6 and, and further, I want to deal with verses 1 through 5. Say this with me. Say, God's timing, God's timing. will keep us aware. God's timing will keep us aware. And so what we see in verses 1 through 5, I want you to notice something. In verse 1, it says this. It says, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. What I want you to notice is that Jesus doesn't ignore the reality of what was going on. On the contrary, he recognizes that his death is imminent. In other words, he is going to die, that is going to happen, yet he, uh, yet he knows that he is not supposed to happen at this moment. So what does he do? He changes his strategy for ministry to ensure that he fulfilled God's will in his time while he was here on earth. So what Jesus does, he's like, look, these people are trying to kill me. So he doesn't say, you know what, I'm going to just go and just keep on doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep on acting the way that I'm acting. What I'm going to do is I'm going to change the strategy because of what? Because there is a purpose for me being here. And if I just go and keep on doing business as usual, guess what happens? I will prematurely be either made king. Remember earlier, we looked at them trying to make him king. That will either prematurely happen or... I will prematurely be taken captive, and therefore I won't fulfill the rest of what I have to do. And mind you, we're only on chapter 7, so we still got like, um, what is it, 14 more chapters here in this book. So he's got a little bit more work to do. Amen? Just saying. And so he changes that up. And the other thing is that his brothers seem to be saying the right thing. Look what they're saying here. He says now in verse 3, it says, His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you're doing. Doesn't that sound encouraging? Like, hey, man, you go. Your disciples need to see you. They need to see what you're doing. And he says in verse, they say in verse 4 something that's very true. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And so his brothers here, they seem to be saying the right thing, yet their disbelief was the motive of their counsel to him. 
They weren't, they, they sounded like they were saying the right thing, like, hey man, these are the things that should be done. See, and the reason why this is important for us is because notice, Jesus understood the timing factor, but his brothers were over here saying, man, you know, we need, again, I think I said this last week, we, Jesus will continue to show us who he is. Our problem is that we won't believe. He will continue to prove himself. He will continue to show himself. And for his brothers, I mean, come on, man, his brothers lived with him for like 30 years. Hello? Right? Before he went out into ministry, his brothers should have known who he was. His brothers, I mean, you, you understand they grew up with him, right? And this is a really important portion of Scripture as well, you know, because there are many people who try to say, and they, they try to um, deify Mary, you know, his mother, as though she died a virgin. This is proof that she did not die a virgin. Are you here? Because he had brothers. There were other people that were born to Mary and Joseph, right? And so it's important that we get that. And so his brothers grew up with Jesus, right? He was their older brother. And they're seeing him grow up. But you know what this shows us? This does show us one thing. This shows us how significant the humanity of Jesus was. In other words, Jesus really was 100% man. Are you here? It's important for us. Because I always say this when I'm talking about his humanity. If Jesus wasn't fully man, then he wasn't fully tempted like we were. He didn't, he didn't fully understand. He couldn't really identify with how we are tempted by sin. He can't identify with that if he's not fully man. And so his brother's disbelief proved what? That he was really a man. That when they walked with him, they couldn't believe. Our older brother is Jesus? Who? We're waiting for him. I, I'm not waiting for him. I've been waiting for him to use the bathroom. Hello. I'm waiting on him to be my savior. I'm not waiting for him to die for me. I'm not waiting for him to do it. I'm not, this is the Messiah? No. And so then they're like, hey, man, go do this. But the scripture shows us their motivation. And so we, now listen, we cannot allow ourselves to be swayed by what seems to be right, but we must learn to be sensitive to the Lord for his direction and his timing. When it comes to the things that we're doing for the Lord, we have to be sensitive to the Lord. To miss God's timing can cause us to experience consequences that God never intended. Do you understand that? That there are some people that experience consequences in their life that it wasn't God's will. Are you here? Now listen, I'm a firm sovereignty guy. I believe in God's sovereignty and everything. I believe in God's providence and everything. I believe all of those things. But I don't believe that every single thing that happens to me is just because, well, God wanted it to happen. I don't believe like that. I believe there's consequences to my actions. I believe that if, because if there are no consequences to my actions, then I'm just a robot. I need to let you know your Bible teaches that we are not just robots. Are you here? That's why the scripture tells us, Romans 8, 28, all things, are you hearing me, work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are the called according to their purpose, according, according to his purpose. Because you know what? We're called according to his purpose to do what? To be conformed to the image of his son. And so the things that I go through in my life, the things that I experience are for what? They are to make me become more like Jesus, and God will use all of those things for his glory. Are you here? And so what we have here is that we have people who very often, we just decide to do things on our own time, and we decide to do things when we want to do them instead of waiting on the Lord. Causes problems, causes issues. And it can be a variety of things that we do, but ultimately we need to learn to be waiting on God's timing. We must learn to pay attention to the Lord's time signature in our lives to ensure that we stay aware. What did I say the Lord's time signature was? Be ye holy as I am holy. And so in all things in my life, I should be striving toward what? Holiness. In my relationships, in my work scenarios, with my neighbors, with the disputes that I have, with the issues that are going on in my life, I should be striving toward holiness, paying attention to how does this glorify God? How does this bring honor and glory to my king? That should be what I'm paying attention to, not considering, man, how do I feel? How do my emotions sense in this situation? It shouldn't be about that. The ultimate goal, the, the, the thing that I'm striving for is what? It is to please him in all things. And what is the, And the way that I do that is by me seeking and pursuing to be more like him. As we do that, then we become more sensitive to the Lord. I told you, I, I, I know I've told you this story before. When I was first got saved, I was uh, um, reading the Bible one day. I was a couple months older than the Lord, and I was sitting down in my bedroom, and I was my, my mother was cooking dinner, and I was sitting there reading my Bible, and I remember that my mom was like, dinner's ready, and I was like, okay, I'll be there in a couple of minutes, and then I told you that show Martin. Y'all know that show, right? And so when I heard, what's up, right? When I, when I heard that, 
Suddenly, something drew my flesh, and I was not even like a big Martin fan. Like, it wasn't like before I came to Jesus, like I had like TiVo'd Martin all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, that wasn't even, I was DVR Martin. Back then, I didn't have DVRs anyway, so I'd have been like VCRing it. But anyway, um, you know, it wasn't like that. But something like drew my attention, like, oh man, I got, I'm gonna miss Martin. Like, what? You're gonna miss Martin? Seriously? And I remember rushing through the scriptures, right? And as I rushed through the scriptures, you know, I got up and I went to sit down, and I sat down over this amazing plate of white rice white beans oh glory to God I know you felt the Holy Ghost right there probably pork chops I don't remember the rest the white beans were so overwhelmed it was like the glory of God like the veil it was just it was amazing and I remember sitting there looking at this plate of food and my stomach went the conviction of the Holy Spirit became so great but see the story didn't end there because I don't know if I told you all this now it may not you may you may not think this now right because I'm bald but I used to have hair, right? And I used to, I, I, I was, my hair, my hair was used to, amen, amen. And, and, and my hair was kind of an idol in my life. I think maybe that's why the Lord removed it. I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, looking at all the bald guys, be like, yep, he's had an idol of hair, all this. No, no, no. I can only talk for me. I, you know, I definitely cared about how my hair looked, right? But here's the thing. After that experience in my room, I promise you, for months, I used to pray before I would go leave to get a haircut. Seriously. And you know why? Because I just didn't want to miss God's timing. It may sound overly spiritual and all that kind of stuff, but you know what? I'd rather be overly spiritual and not miss God than be underly spiritual and be missing God all the time. Now today, obviously, I don't pray about cutting my hair. I just go in the shower and shave it. I'm just like, okay, Lord, we're going to do this together. I worship you while this happens. Amen. I'm just saying, right? I hope I don't miss you here. I'm going to, you know, so. But the truth is, I was seeking holiness I wanted to be like God. I wanted to be in step with the Lord. And I don't mean to tell you that you need to pray about all of those little things that you're going to do. If you want to do that, do that. If that's where the Holy Spirit's leading you, do that. The point is seeking God's timing. Seeking to be in alignment with him is something that we should all be doing. The second thing, say this with me, God's timing will keep us truthful. God's timing will keep us truthful. Look what he says here, verses 6 through 9. It says, Then Jesus said to them, My time <clears throat> has not yet come, but your time is always ready. Look at this. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go up to the feast, to the feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. When he had said these things to them, they remain, he remained in Galilee. Now, I want you to notice, he says, and, and just look at verse 1 really quickly, or in verse 2. I, I didn't touch on this. I want to touch on this really quick because I want you to understand what Jesus is saying fully. It says in verse 2, now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. And so the feast of tabernacles, I want to give you some details about this, has a twofold celebration. It was one of the main feasts in Israel. And the first part of, the, of, of it was a past celebration. It's kind of like when we do communion, right? We do communion. We, we focus on, you know, Pastor Chad, he says that every week we're going to focus on our sin. We focus on our Savior. We focus on our salvation. And so there's a past, there's a present, and there's a future looking when, in, the, in the act of communion. That's the reason why we do it weekly, because it is always a gospel picture that is before you so you can remember how, you know, you can remember why, why you are a Christian today, because Jesus delivered you from sin on the cross, and then you look forward. It doesn't end here, but you look forward to the coming of your Savior, to the culmination and fulfillment of your salvation. And so we look forward to that. Well, it's the same thing with this Feast of Tabernacles. It had a twofold thing in this, and it was a past one, and it was their deliverance of the, of the children of Israel from Egypt through the wilderness. And so there were a couple of things that happened in the wilderness that were significant. And during this feast, and you'll see that Jesus calls himself two things, and you'll see that they're here. One of them is they, had, they would light candles. And the candles were lit, symbolizing what? If y'all remember in the, in, the, in the wilderness, as the children of Israel were walking through the wilderness, there was a pillar of fire by night. And so symbolic of the presence of God. And so that was the one thing. They, they lit candles. The other thing was they would take one of the golden vessels and they would pour out water because the scripture says what? The scripture says that water came from a rock, that God gave them this water when they were going through the wilderness as well. And so what was happening was they were having this remembrance of what God had done. And you'll notice that Jesus says at one point, he says, I am the light of the world. He's going to say this, right? 
So he's communicating what? It's at this feast. He's saying, hey, I am the light of the world. He talks about this living water, right? And so he's communicating, I'm all of those things that you're looking at. He talked about being the manna, the bread of life earlier, earlier on in chapter 6. And so what we find here is that was one thing. The second thing that is symbolized was it was a looking forward. Because it wasn't just, remember, they had the scriptures. So they believed in remembering the Old Testament and what God did for them. But they were also looking forward to what? They were looking forward to the Messiah. So when they were doing this Feast of Tabernacles, they're looking forward to the Messiah's coming. And so when Jesus is saying that it's not my time, what he's saying is what? It's not time for the Messiah to be revealed. That's what he's saying. It's not time for the Messiah to be revealed in this place. Your time is whenever. My time is not yet, right? So he communicates this and makes this clear to them. And while Jesus' time to die, but I want you to get this, while Jesus' time to die for our redemption had not fully come, it was time for him to confront the world about their sin. Are you hearing me? Look what he says in verse 7. He says to them, he says, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. Now, here's what I want you to get really quickly, because you have a lot of people nowadays, and, and, and again, we're in this cultural battle that's going on, right? And what we have is we have this issue that is going on now, and Christians are like, you know what? You don't need to say anything. You, 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 don't, you, you don't need to communicate. You don't need to be so bold about this, right? Because Jesus, you know, he never, right? I mean, he, he never made a sinner feel bad about their sin. You need to memorize this verse right here, right? I know some of you like to post stuff on Facebook and tweet stuff and all that good stuff. Listen, just, just, just post the scripture. Post the scripture, right? Just hashtag, you know, what would Jesus do? Just saying. Just throw it out there, right? Because here's what Jesus says. He says, the world. You know when he's talking about the world? He's talking about sinners, he said, the world cannot hate you. Because what? Because you're not testifying about anything. He said, but it hates me because what? I testify that its works are evil. Are you hearing this? This is what Jesus would do. Jesus would testify. Jesus is testifying. Jesus will continue to communicate that evil is evil, good is good. There's no mixing the two. Are you here? He has no problem offending someone about what? About things that are sinful. Because the end result is not the offense. Paul says that he didn't want to offend the Corinthians, but what? He was happy because the offense brought them to what? Repentance, to godly sorrow. See, here's the thing. The half of the gospel, right? The bad news of, bad news of the gospel is that we are born into sin, right? I mean, that's, the, that's what we learn weekly. I try to remind us of this, that we are born into sin, that we are sinful by nature. We are sinful by decision, that we hate God in our flesh. That is who we are by nature. That's it. That is depressing. Nobody wants to hear that. I love what somebody said. He said, the truth only sounds hateful to those who hate the truth. You see, the reality is, is that there are sinful behaviors and God has no problem calling sin, sin. But here's the beauty of it, is that we have the rest of the story, is that while a sinner is died, is dead in their sin and on their way to hell, separated from Jesus, Jesus died in their place so that way they would not have to suffer hell or suffer separation from God or suffer a life of not knowing their purpose in him. But now they can have an identity if they do what? If they repent of their sin and put their faith in their Savior. That's what he shows us. That's what the gospel picture is. And so the beauty of it is people don't know their need for a Savior if they're never confronted with their sin. I love what one person posted, and it's so funny because you can always tell how people are feeling, right? Like everybody thinks when you talk about sin today, the only sin is being homosexual. You say sin on Facebook. You can't talk to gay people like that. You didn't even say gay, and they're just jumping on like, that's what you meant. Really? I, 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 I was in general speaking about sin. Like sin is, you know, destructive. Sin destroys. But the truth of the matter is people need to be confronted in their sin regardless of who gets offended. Regardless. They need to be confronted where they are. And Jesus makes it clear. He confronts them in their sin. He, he said the world hated them. Can I tell you something, church? 
you need to prepare to be hated. If you are really going to follow Jesus, I'm just going to, I mean, seriously. These are, you know, it's funny because we read the Bible and we think like Jesus was joking. When he said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Like, oh, well, nobody hates me. Everybody loves me. Yeah. Until you start confronting their sin. Until you start letting them know, you can't live like that. You're not okay with God. You're not cool with God. No, no, you're not. You know, well, we're all his children, yeah, and he's going to send some of his creation to hell because he's a mean God. No, because you're a rebellious sinner. It's not because he's a mean God, because he wants you to go to hell. No, it's because you refuse to turn from sin. And so Jesus lets us know, man, they hated me. They hate him because he's communicating your works are evil. But listen, church, we need to make sure that we don't just confront one sin. This is so important. We need to make sure that we confront all sin. See, I thank God because I read through the book of Proverbs monthly, and I try to every day. I don't do it every day. I, at least four days a week, I try to get on there and do the daily dose. And there's sometimes, you know, I get to like Proverbs chapter 7, I think it is. It's like all about adultery. So like, what am I going to post? Well, I'm going to have to post something about adultery because day six, that's where we're at. Hello. Just adultery, right? Like, you know, and I try to be encouraging like when I post stuff there. But ultimately, we need to be serious. Like liars, they're going to hell too. Like, it's not cool to lie. Like, that's not okay with God. It's not. Jesus died for liars the same way that he died for adulterers. You know, I love one thing, man. I'm going to say this, and I'll move on from this point. But the one thing that I think that the church needs to do on a huge level is we need to wage an all-out warfare against sexual immorality in general. Are you hearing me? And I know that for some of us, we're like, oh, you know, but listen, I'm talking about sexual immorality in general. My heart breaks because of all of these pastors that are falling. And, and, and it doesn't break because of the pastors that are falling. It breaks because of the damage that it does to the gospel. And they're falling to what? They're falling into this sexual immorality. And so listen, I tell you right now, pray for your pastor. Are you hearing me? Pray for me because I'm no greater man than any other man out there. I don't dare to cast the first stone because I'm not without sin. But what I'm telling you is, is that we need to be on our face, like praying for, you know, God to do something. There's this new shirt that they posted on Facebook the other day. It's called Porn Kills Love. Hello. Amen, somebody. Like, really? I mean, they're, they're, they're rocking this shirt, letting people know pornography is not okay. Are you hearing me? It's not okay to sit there online and do stuff. It is destroying your heart. It is destroying your mind. Men, we need to come to the place that we hold ourselves accountable, that we don't allow anyone or anything to get into our minds but that we say, hey, sin is sin. I can't be looking at her. I can't be doing that. And listen, if that means you can't watch certain movies, don't watch certain movies. If that means that you can't go to certain places, don't go to certain places. If you can't control your eyes, then you know what? Jesus said it's better to pluck it out, hello, and make it into heaven than to go to heaven looking. I got both my eyes, uh-huh. And then you end up where? And listen, ladies, I know y'all gonna hate me right now, and it's okay. And it's, it's okay. It's okay. But modesty, I know. I know I got, mm, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> modesty, listen, we need to recognize what modesty is. Listen, I should know. I'm going to say it like this. I should know. No man should know what kind of panties you're wearing. Are you here? There's one man that should know what kind of panties you're wearing, and that's your husband if you got him. Hello. That's the only one. I shouldn't know. I shouldn't know what you're wearing under your clothes. Hello. I shouldn't do that. Listen, all your bathing suit choices, I'm just going to throw it out there. Listen, and, and I, I, <laughs> I need you to know this. You need to consider. Listen, half these women are butt naked practically when they're going to the beach. Hello. We, we went to Aquatica the other day, and I told my wife, I said, babe, wouldn't you feel naked wearing that? And she's like, absolutely. I'm like, because she's naked. Hello. <laughs> I don't even get that stuff. Like, how do you walk around like that? And listen, I'm not telling you, I'm, I'm not the guy that says you can't wear a bathing suit. But I'm going to tell you what, you need to be careful what kind of bathing suit you're wearing. I'm just saying. Listen, it, check this out. Let me, let me help you understand modesty. When you go to Victoria's Secrets and you see that these are the stuff they're selling for the models there, you know why they're selling that? They're selling that for something that happens in a bedroom. If your bathing suit looks like the Victoria's Secrets model, guess what? It's immodest. And you know what the beauty of this is? Is that we got something called a cover-up. So cover it up, baby. <laughs> cover it up. If you're unsure, cover it up. 
I know we all want the six-pack abs and we want to be ripped and everything. Listen, get your six-pack, get ripped, and let your husband and wife enjoy it. Let everybody else know. They don't need to see it. Listen, it is for you. It is for your spouse. And if you're not married, keep it to yourself. Someone's going to enjoy it later on. Nobody should know. Okay, so the point is, men, keep, but here's the thing. Men, don't blame the woman because you know what kind of panties she got on because you know what? You got to look to know. It's both ways. Dress right, act right. That's what it is. We're going to move on. Listen, God's time signature is be holy because I am holy. Oh, that's outdated. Listen, you must think the Bible's outdated because the Bible calls us to be holy. Look, the scripture says that I'm supposed to love my sister like a sister. So, brother, if you had a lustful heart, you need to repent. And listen, that goes for single guys as well as married guys. Well, I'm single and I'm looking. Yeah, keep being single, keep looking. Listen, brothers. You see them young guys, or even them older guys, looking down, hit them in the chin, be like, come on, keep it up, keep it up, Papa, keep it up. Let's, let's, let's hold each other accountable on a real level. Keep looking, look in the heart of God, look in the face of God, seek God's face, man, per pursue God, and say, God, I want a woman of virtue. Listen, and women, you, I, I can't get off the top. Women, you need to be women of virtue and be examples to our daughters and our sons. Because listen, if you're dressing crazy, you know what? Your son's going to be like, well, I want a woman like my mama. Mm -hmm. <sighs> listen, holiness is applicable today. The reason why we are in the situation that we're in is not because of anything else except the fact that we don't embrace what God says be holy as I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. He means that. You see, because when we walk in holiness, you know what happens is God is glorified in us. We begin to reflect him, and then you know what? The conviction of sin stings. When we talk about sin, it stings. But today, we talk about sin, it's offensive, but you know, nobody wants to repent. Like, you know how many people, I, the other day I was reading something, I, I think, as a matter of fact, I was watching something, Beth Moore, y'all that, you know, y'all are going to that Beth Moore um, Bible study, I heard it's amazing, glory to God. Listen, Beth Moore's got a little YouTube clip, go ahead and YouTube Beth Moore, and she's going to talk to you about modesty, amen, somebody. And the whole point is that we need to embrace what God says as being holy. That way people repent of sin, but see, when we look just like the world, what do they need to repent of? When we do it just like the world, what do they need to turn from? Well, I'll just go ahead and get Jesus. He'll be the icing on my cake. He's not the cake. I don't really need him. I just need him to, you know, just kind of fill a little area here. Jesus has to be everything. And we can talk about sin all day long, but until Jesus is everything, he is the absolute solution, and I want to honor him, we make no headway. We don't move forward in the gospel. Like I said, someone said, truth sounds hateful only to those who hate the truth. We must be sure there is never a time that we should not proclaim the truth. That means we will be hated for it many times. God's time signature in our lives is clearly seen by our obedience to his truth. God's time signature. See, I love the signature because it's like his signature is there. It is seen in our lives when we obey the truth of God. I'm not just talking about being legalistic, but let me just throw this out there for all of those that, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in a legalistic church because I, I didn't get saved until I was older. And my church was a little bit legalistic, but they were getting delivered from some legalisms. But, you know, ultimately, you know, we get upset with the legalistic church because they didn't do this, they didn't do that, they didn't do the next thing. But can I tell you something? I give them props because at least they were not doing this, that, and the next thing for the glory of God. They might have been wrong in the way that they were executing it and the way that they were implementing it. But you know what? They were doing it because they wanted to honor God. Because they wanted to be different than the world. You know, we talk about what sin means, right? What does sin mean? Sin means to miss the mark, right? 
So in other words, we are aiming, like in, in order for us, when the Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God, right? We have all sinned. We all miss the mark. So the goal of holiness is what? It is the bullseye. But it's not just the bullseye. It is the center of the bullseye. Can I tell you where we are at? And I promise you I'll move on from this point now. The, where we are at today in the church is we don't, we're not trying to hit the bullseye. We're just trying to stay on the target and just make sure that we're on the target. In other words, we're not striving for holiness. We just want to make sure that we're okay. So what we're doing is if, you know, this is the bullseye, I'm like, can I get as close to the line over here and still be okay with God? Hold on a second. We got people asking all kinds of questions that don't even matter. Like the big question is, am I reflecting him? Am I reflecting him in what I'm doing? Am I walking as close to the center as possible? Because church, that is what grace does. Grace empowers us to live holy. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, God's timing is not always easily followed. God's timing is not always easily followed. Let's read verses 10 through 13. It says, but when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said he is good. Others said no. On the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. See, when I look at this portion of the scriptures, it looks so depictive of our days. It looks so depictive of what's going on in our days. And here's the thing that I want you to realize. Jesus saying that he was not going up to the feast a couple of verses earlier because his time had not fully come is a glimpse of his humanity. Because here's the thing. Something had to occur to change his mind. When Jesus says earlier, he's like, I'm not going up to the feast. He really meant, I'm not going up to the feast. And again, it just lets us glimpse his, it just lets us glimpse his humanity. He understood these people were seeking him to kill him. He understood that something had to change. And so what happens is we don't know because we're not privy to what occurred. But what we know is in one verse, he's not going. The next verse, he says, I'm going up secretly. And so what the, what the implication is or what we assume, and that's all we can do here, is that something occurred that, that, that somehow God the Father communicated to God the Son, I want you to go up, but go secretly. Don't go to show anyone who you are. That's not the whole point. There's some things that are, that are going to need to be communicated there. And so Jesus goes up there. And what I want you to realize <clears throat> is that when Jesus, um, God's timing is not always easily followed, but we can be sure when God is telling us to make a change in our lives, he will be clear. He's not going to leave us unsure. Are you here? It doesn't mean you're going to know all the details, right? Like, you know, when he told Abraham to go and kill his son, remember that story? I love that story because it's like, it's crazy. He's like, all right, I want you to go make this sacrifice. And Abraham is like, didn't even think twice. said, okay. Goes and takes his son, walking up this mountain. Isaac is like any smart child. He's like, dad, I see the rope. I see the knife. I see the fire. Where's the sacrifice? His dad's like, the Lord will provide. They get up to the top of this mountain. It doesn't give us a story. It doesn't, it doesn't show us the pictures, but I, just, I can just imagine Abraham. Like, I know my son. Like, I don't think, anybody put themselves ever in, in, in Isaac's position? Not Abraham's position, because everybody's like, you know, we feel bad for Abraham. I feel terrible for Abraham to have to do this. But, I mean, I just think, like, like imagine, you know, Ozzy and Josian, right? Like, they're walking up somewhere, and they get to a place, and um, Ozzy's like, son, I need you to stand here. I'm about to tie you up because I've got to kill you. Like, do you think Josian's just going to stand there and be still and be like, okay, dad? Like, I'm pretty sure that there had to be some kind of struggle that was going on right there. There had to be something that happened. I mean, I don't know, you know. And, 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 and maybe, maybe there wasn't a struggle. But I always think about what happened to Isaac in his mind. Like, this is Isaac's picture. He's laying on an altar, tied up, and his dad is like this with a knife over him. The scripture says that, right? And so we find, I mean, we find this story of God, you know, calling him to this, this place of obedience. But you know what? Abraham, God didn't leave Abraham unsure, right? He was like, this is what I want you to do. So he knew what he was doing. This is what I want you to do. And then, before he did anything, the angel of the Lord says, stop. There's a test. And then we see the sacrifice that's there. Now, God didn't tell him, hey, there's going to be a, lamb in the, a ram in the thicket. He didn't tell him that. But he didn't make clear what I want you to do. 
When he told, you know, you remember when he tells, he, t- he tells Abram to leave his father's house? He doesn't tell him exactly where he wants to go, but he tells him what? He goes to a land that I, that I will show you. Hello. In other words, I'm going to give you direction. And so he didn't tell him exactly where he was going. He said, but I'm going to direct you. God makes it clear. And the same thing happens here. We see Jesus goes up to this feast and he has this, um, you know, he goes there and, and we'll see next week as he begins to communicate and what occurs there. But here's what I want you to notice looking at these scriptures. In our cultural climate, we see the same communication about Jesus or the church and the Bible. Today, as we, de- as we did then, we see what? He is good. Some people are like, yes, the Bible's good. Yes, God is good. Yes, the church is good. Yes, Christians are good for being bold for Jesus. But then we have another group of people like, no, Christians are not good. The Bible is not good for today. Y'all saw the picture. There, there were some pictures that they posted there of some people that were invited to the White House. They're part of this, um, the, the, this whole activist movement, and they're standing in front of Ronald Reagan's picture, throwing up the middle finger there. That's really honorable. See, this is the heart, this is the mindset that is there, right, that, that we're like, hey, we're just going to be shut up about it. No, you can't be shut up about it, Right? You got to communicate the truth of what God says. You don't need to get into all kinds of debates, but you need to be truthful about what God communicates, right? Don't be afraid because do we believe? Now, now here's the question. Do you believe God is good? Do you believe his word is good? Do you believe this truth is still truth? Okay, so you're on that side of the group, but are you going to be like these people that they didn't say anything for the fear of the Jews? See, because that's the issue in our day is that are we afraid, right? Is it fear that cripples us from speaking the truth? But we have this, and see, and this, 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 is, this is the bigger issue. The bigger issue is, is that while you have one group that is saying he's good and one group that's saying he is bad, you know what that proves? That proves that there's a bunch of confusion. And can I tell you something? God is not the author of confusion. But what God does, he comes and he brings, he brings clarity in the midst of confusion. But that clarity only comes as we become vessels of truth. And we are not fearful to communicate the truth of what God's word says. That we make sure, because you know what, there are people there that they think God is good, but they're not sure because they hear this other group saying that God is bad. They're not sure because they're saying that, you know, the the Bible is outdated. They're not sure. Listen, we need to be the light that shines. And if no one is speaking up, guess guess what prevails in the day? Confusion. Confusion. And so what we need to do is we need to be people that say, you know what, God, we're not going to be fearful. We're going to speak up. See, the Bible is clear. Today, hear me when I say this, today is the day of salvation. And if this is true, if today is the day of salvation, y'all believe today is the day of salvation? Meaning that today's the opportunity someone can call upon Jesus and they will be saved. That's what the Bible is saying. Well, here's the thing. If today is the day of salvation, now is the time to live and share the truth. Hatred or confusion about Jesus must never deter us from sharing him with the world. For there are many who will respond in faith, but they must hear the truth to do so. See, the truth is that God wants us to be those people who are dancing with him, who are flowing with him, who are speaking the truth for him. And listen, I said it last week, I will say it again, be a faithful witness. And that means that we are truthful, but we are also loving. Truthful and loving. Don't excuse your truthfulness, you know, because, well, it's the truth and it is what it is. No, 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 no. Don't be a jerk. That's not cool because that does damage to what God wants to do in the earth because God speaks truth, but he is love. He speaks the truth in love. He calls us to speak the truth in love, to communicate the truth in love. That's what we're called to do. And so be the voice, be the witness that is there. And my closing question is this, do you see God's time signature in your life? Do you see his time signature in your life? Do you see his holiness in your life? And the other part of the question is, are you following him or are you trying to lead? So do you think you know enough? Are you really surrendered to him? And as we're praying this morning, and I, I don't know if I said in the email, but the one thing that I want you to realize is that prayer is a sign of your dependence on God. You see, when you take the time to pray, when you make the time to seek God's face, you know what you're doing? You are surrendering your will to him and you are acknowledging, I cannot do this life on my own. That's what you're doing. See, when you say, I, I, I can't remember who it was. It was one of the, one of the reformers. It might have been Martin Luther. I'm not totally sure. But he was saying, I can't afford not to pray at least two hours a day. 
Some of us are like, man, I can't, I can't afford to pray 20 minutes a day. This guy's like, man, I need to pray at least two hours a day. I need to be in prayer because everything that I, I have so much, I think it was Charles Spurgeon, I have so much to do. There is so much that I have to do. There is so much that matters in my life. And I try to tell you this all the time. Your life matters. Your life has kingdom value. You are called to be an extension of the kingdom of God. Wherever you are stationed in life, you are called to be an extension. And you need the power and the grace of God to sustain you and to manifest his light, his glory, and his grace. But if you're not praying, then you're saying, man, I don't need you, God. I can do it on my own. But we need the grace of God. We need the power of God. You see, when we look at Jesus, we, uh, we, we, um, he was concerned about being in God's timing because he knew he was, if he was in God's timing, he would be in God's will. He knew this. See, here's what you and I got to realize, and this is why I asked the question, do you see God's time signature in your life? Are you trying to lead or are you following? It is because our flesh, even after we come to Jesus, fights God's timing in all things, whether it's prayer. Listen, I know about this, man. You want to hit the snooze button because, you know, it's easier to do that. You went to bed late. You know, my, my, you know, my, my issue is I want to go to bed late promising I'm going to get up early. doesn't happen. Just saying, right? Oh, God, I'll be okay on five hours. No, sir. You're not. Our flesh fights. Talk about fasting, huh? Fasting what? Our flesh fights. Our flesh fights the timing of God. Listen, in relationships, I mean, I remember, I, I can tell you a personal story. I mean, real quick, I'm married to the most amazing woman on the planet. And when I first came to Jesus, I knew that I did not have that gift of continence. I'm just saying, I knew that I was not going to be single, that I was not called. I knew that that was not my calling. I knew that straight up. And I also knew another thing, that I was not going to be single and I didn't want to dishonor the name of God. So, you know, I started doing like immediately. I mean, like I was a month old in the Lord and I was praying for a wife. Straight up, straight, straight up. I was like, Lord, you need to bring me the right woman. Glory to God. I was praying, and I met a young lady. I thought she was the one, right? She was a worship leader in her church, and all, she had all of the credentials, you know, like that was the one, right? And I was out of God's timing. I used to be praying, and I'm like, God, just speak to me. Let me know this is the one, right? Because, you know, I, like I said, I'm a sovereignty guy, right? I believe in God's sovereignty, so I'm like, if God is sovereign in everything, he's sovereign in who my wife's going to be, Amen. That was just my thought. I was like, okay. So I began praying, and I could never get God to speak to me, no matter how much I tried to manipulate him about this girl. Straight up. Like, her and I would pray together, and I'd be like, did you feel something? And she's like, no. I'm like, okay, me, all right, well, let's keep praying. You know, like, I, I'm like, let's see if this is the Lord. Like, I was trying. Like, you know, what do you think about this scripture? Let's read this scripture. You know, he was, I, I was like crazy. Anyway, I had a heart. I wanted to obey God, but I wanted him to just do some things my way. And then I met this amazing woman. And I didn't even realize it. This girl, this other girl and I, we were just friends, right? Because it was just not, it just wasn't working the way that I thought it was going to. We were just friends, like 10 months. I asked her to be my girlfriend one day. Like a week later, the Lord was like, break up with her. I'm like, God, what's up? Why, why, Lord, why? But okay. And probably like two weeks later, I met this beautiful, amazing woman. And suddenly, I don't know what happened. Like I fell into God's timing. Because I, I was talking to my, be, my, my best friend at the time. You know, he was the best man at my wedding. And one day I'm with, with him on the phone. And I'm like, man, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, dude, so when am I going to meet this lady, Elena? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, all you talk about is her. I'm like, shut up, man. What are you talking? I'm like, bro, you're crazy, man. I'm like, I, you're crazy. I hung up with him. I started checking myself in conversation. I was like, Elaine this, Elaine that. I'm like, man. I went to her one day, and I was like, I looked her in the face. I got out of her car. She used to bring me home after choir practice. I looked in the face, and I said, you're of the devil, and I'm going to ask the Lord to remove you from my life. Because <laughs> I still wanted this other girl, right? I didn't know what, the, what was going on with me. Now, mind you, I'm falling in love with this one, right? And I don't even realize this. I never prayed the prayer, y'all. Hello. <laughs> Obviously. The point is, when I got into God's timing, it was like I'm sitting there one day, her and I are talking, and I'm, and I'm staring off like in the outer space somewhere, and the Lord is like, this is going to be your wife. I was like, whoa, 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 glory to God. Like I, I fell into this timing thing, and, and I got there. But you know what? I wanted to be out of God's timing. I wanted to do things my way. I wanted to be in my own time signature. Listen, church, our flesh fights God continuously. 
Our flesh wants to lead. And so that's why I asked the question, do you see his time signature in your life? You see, the reason why I bring this up is because it is only through the grace of God, by the power of the gospel, that we are able to come into God's timing in all things. It's the recognition, my flesh wants to do it my way. I got to wait on God's timing. I, gotta, I, I have to find his will and his purpose. I can't just do things my way. And the way that we find that is through what? By me being in prayer by me being in his word, by me seeking godly, say godly, godly counsel. Listen, and when I say godly counsel, understand what I mean by this, and I'm getting ready to close now. When I say godly counsel, I don't mean go to every Christian you know waiting for one of them to tell you what you want to hear. Because that's what we do. The Bible says there is safety in the multitude of counsel, so I'm going to go to a multitude of counsel until someone agrees with me. That's what plenty of Christians do. They'll talk to this one, and, and, and as leaders, we see it all the time. You know, someone will come talk to me, and then they'll come talk to him and come talk. Can someone tell me something different? No. This is biblical counsel, right? And so we need to seek God's will so that way we can be in God's timing. I close with this. The process is progressive, not instantaneous. But the more we surrender to the leader of the dance, which is Jesus, the more progress we make, the more clear grace is seen in our lives, not only in our justification, but also in our sanctification. Listen, we are right before God because of what Jesus did all day long. And I use, I use a quote from one of the guys that I sit down at, my, at, at, our, at our Key Life men's table with, and he talks about, you know, our vertical relationship is taken care of on the cross, but our horizontal relationship needs to be dealt with. Jesus did the work. He died in our place. He gave his life for us. But how does the horizontal reflect the vertical? Because you have a lot of people that they walk around, yeah, I'm justified, but are you sanctified? Are you being sanctified? Are you walking in holiness? Are you growing in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is? Stand to your feet and let's pray together. Father, we come to you today. We humble our hearts in your presence, Lord. And we thank you so very much for your word. We thank you so very much for your grace. We thank you so very much for your kindness, God. And Father, today I just submit my heart before you, God. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters that are here today that have heard your word. I thank you for those who will listen to this message on our podcast or via the internet, Lord God. And I just pray that as your word has gone forward, Lord, that what has been of you, Lord, would sink deep within our hearts and it would take deep root and that you would cause us to bear much fruit for your glory and for your honor, God. Father, help us to be those men and women, Lord God, that seek you, that follow you as you lead us, Lord God, in this dance of life. May your name be glorified. May your kingdom be manifested in us. May your will be done in our lives, God. Father, I pray that you would give us repentant hearts where we need to repent, God. I pray that where we need to turn from sin, that we would turn from sin. I pray that where we need to acknowledge and recognize our errors, that we would do so. I pray that we would recognize where we have tried to lead where you are not leading us, God. Forgive us, my Lord, for trying to use your word to manipulate and get our will done instead of your will being done. Father, I pray that you help us to be those who would grow in the grace and the knowledge of who you are. I pray that you fill us with your power. I ask you, Lord God, to be glorified in us. We pray all of these things in Jesus' great name. Someone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.